How many of you have found yourself running late for an important meeting because you couldn't find that one thing you needed before you head out the door? What if I could tell you that in just 10 minutes a day, you could take your home from chaos to calm because clutter really is nothing more than postponed decisions. I've created a challenge to help you get ready to ditch your clutter and simplify your life. Want to hear a secret? You actually have the power to create more peace and calm in your home, and you can have it in less than 10 minutes a day. Join the Chaos to Calm Challenge so you can organize your space and create more peace in your home and focus less on stuff and more on the people you love the most. I want you to be able to effortlessly live clutter-free in your own home. This challenge will teach you the proven systems to get a clean and clutter-free in 10 minutes or less because we're all busy. How to create more peace and calm in your home and how to focus on what and who you love with an organized space. To join the challenge, just go to barbiejoe.com forward slash challenge. Hi, this is Barbie Joe, and you are listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. This is a show for busy moms and families where we talk about household order and function. We'll discuss tricks of the trade and systems to improve family life and managing a household. Hello, everyone. Barbie Joe here, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we are talking about something a little heavy, but very, very important. And this subject is very near and dear to my heart. Because as you know, we've dealt with addiction in my family. So today I want to introduce you to Richard Capriola, who has been a mental health and addictions counselor for over two decades. He has worked with adults and adolescents diagnosed with mental health and substance abuse issues. He recently retired from Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas where he was an addictions counselor for both adults and adolescents. He is the author of the new book entitled The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Welcome to the show, Richard. Please, please tell us about yourself and how you got to this point in life. Thank you, Barbie Joe. Uh, first, let me say that I greatly appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me today about this important subject of adolescent substance abuse. About 20 years ago, I was working for a regional mental health center in central Illinois. I was working in their crisis center. And I noticed that a large number of people that were coming to the crisis center, in addition to having a mental health issue, also had a substance abuse issue. So I decided to go back to the University of Illinois and get some additional training and certification in um, substance abuse. I continued to work at the crisis center for a number of 
of years until I was offered a job at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas. Uh, Menninger Clinic is a psychiatric hospital. It's one of the top 10 psychiatric hospitals in the United States. And I was offered a job as an addictions counselor on both their adolescent unit and one of their adult units. And I worked for Menninger for about 11 years, uh, providing uh, assessments and counseling and uh, working with both adolescents and adults. Shortly after I retired, I set about to write this book, uh, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, because I wanted to provide a very brief but comprehensive overview on adolescent substance abuse and address issues that I found in in my work were very important uh, for, for parents to know and understand. So my book's only about 100 pages. It's not very long, uh, but it is packed with a lot of useful information that parents and families can have uh, that uh, will help them better understand adolescent substance abuse, what are the issues around substance abuse, uh, what are the assessments and tests that uh, should be done, and, and where, if needed, can they, uh, can they find uh, help. So I really intended this to be a brief but yet comprehensive resource for, for parents and families and anyone interested in adolescent substance abuse. Amazing. I think this is a phenomenal resource that every parent needs to have. Um, so let's dive into this. Let's talk about what drugs are adolescents using today? Well, they continue to use uh, alcohol and marijuana. Those are uh, two of the most widely used substances uh, among adolescents, and, and that's been true for, for a long period of time. But what we're noticing in the last few years is a dramatic increase in what is called vaping, which is where adolescents uh, will uh, inhale a, a vapor that contains uh, nicotine uh, and marijuana. Some of them have fruit flavors to them. But we have noticed in the last three years that adolescents have been using uh, vaping as a way to get their nicotine and, and, and their uh, marijuana. For example, three years ago, uh, about um, 9% of seniors were vaping marijuana. Today, it's 22%. About three years ago, 18% of seniors were vaping nicotine. Today, it's 34%. So we've seen a dramatic increase in uh, adolescents using vaping as a way to, to get their nicotine um, and, and their marijuana. And there have been recent studies showing that for both adults and kids who vape, they're having difficulty with concentrating and remembering. So this is becoming more and more of an issue among the adolescent population uh, where vaping seems to be one of the more popular methods for them to get nicotine and marijuana. Wow, that is so fascinating and yet very upsetting. I know I have a few children that are in middle school and they'll say that their kids in the classroom vaping right in front of the teacher and the teacher has no clue Yes, that's, that's very true because many of these vaping devices, unless you're familiar with them and, 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 
and many people may not be, they, they're very easy to disguise. Some of them look like a USB drive that you would put into your computer. Uh, so uh, it, it's very difficult sometimes to recognize that a, that a child is vaping uh, a substance. Interesting. I don't think these kids understand the magnitude of addiction behind vaping. They just see it as a fun trend, something to try, everyone's doing it kind of a thing. That's very true. And when you when you talk to them about, say, vaping nicotine, it's not unusual that they will say, well, it's safer than smoking cigarettes. And and in a way, they're correct because when you smoke cigarettes, you not only get nicotine, you get a lot of other uh, substances along with the nicotine. When they're vaping nicotine, they're just getting nicotine. So uh, they're not getting all the other substances that they would get from cigarette smoking. The problem with that, though, is although they're only getting nicotine, they're getting higher concentrations of nicotine. Uh, so, so it's affecting their brain in a much more different way. Uh, cigarette smoking among adolescents has dramatically declined. Kids aren't smoking cigarettes anywhere near what they were years ago, but they've switched to vaping nicotine. So they're getting higher concentrations of, of, of nicotine into their system when they vape. Interesting. So tell me now, how are they consuming marijuana? Because you would think right off the bat, children would be kind of repulsed or see you know warning signs when they would see drugs but are they coming about in other forms kind of like the cigarette to the vaping pen i mean children are using these substances for various reasons and they and they come in contact with them through different different means uh, one of the things that is concerning to me is that um, kids really think and know that it's it's very easy for them to get substances. Um, almost 80% of seniors, for example, would tell you it's very easy for them to find marijuana if they want it. Um, over 80% would tell you that if they want to find alcohol, it's very easy for them to do so. So the availability of these substances uh, is, is, is one thing that's concerning. Along with that is the low perception among kids that these substances are harmful. Only about 30% of seniors, for example, would tell you that smoking marijuana regularly is harmful. Um, about you know, 20 some percent of seniors, only 20 some percent of seniors would tell you that having one or two drinks nearly every day, drinks of alcohol every day is harmful. So when you combine the fact that substances are readily available, kids have no problem finding it if they want it, along with the low perception of harm and the low perception of risk, that goes a long way to understanding some of the, uh, some of the problems that we're seeing with substance abuse among teenagers. Oh, I believe it 100% that it is easy for these youth to access these substances because just witnessing myself, I took my kids to the park one afternoon and it was over the lunch hour. This park was directly behind our high school and we saw kids gather at this park. Someone showed up in an unmarked vehicle, joined this group, distributed some sort of substance and then disappeared. And then everybody just kind of dispersed. And I thought, oh my gosh, we just witnessed 
a drug deal. And it was all these high school kids just during their lunch break. So I totally believe that it is so readily available for these kids and they just have to be so careful. Yes, it is It is available, uh, readily available, and they know it's readily available. So if, uh, if any teenager wants to try marijuana uh, or some other drug, um, they're probably not going to have a hard time finding it or not have a hard time finding another kid who has it. Wow, that's so sad. Okay, now tell us, what is the difference between an adolescent addiction and an adult addiction? I think there's two major differences. The first has to do with the brain itself. Um, An adult's brain is, after age 24, 25, is fully developed. So when we have an an adult addicted to a substance, their brain is, is generally fully developed. Adolescents, on the other hand, their brains are still developing until around age 24 or 25. So the first big difference is in brain development. Adolescents, because their brain is not fully developed, are at a higher risk of becoming really addicted to substances um, because of their brain not being fully developed. So brain development is one big difference. There's a difference in the brain between an adolescent and an adult. The second big difference is in consequences. Uh, Adults who are addicted to substances many times have faced consequences as a result of their substance use. And sometimes these consequences have been catastrophic. Uh, Adults addicted to drugs often have found that they have lost a marriage, they've lost a family, they may have lost a job, they may have even been incarcerated. And those are catastrophic consequences. Adolescents, on the other hand, have not faced any type of catastrophic consequences any near, anywhere near what adults have faced. Their biggest consequence usually is their parents, uh, uh, you know, arguing with them or perhaps, uh, you know, grounding them or placing some restrictions on them. So their consequences uh, are much, much different than what an adult would face as a consequence if they're addicted to a substance. Very interesting. Okay, so going down that road, what warning signs should, should parents know about? What are, what should we be looking for? Well, my book uh, addresses a number of warning signs, um, and I'll give you a few examples of what they are. There's 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 many more in the book, but overall, uh, parents uh, should pay attention to any. Uh, changes that they see in their child. Um, These might be behavioral changes. um, They might be sleeping changes. They might be uh, changes in appearance uh, or academic performance. Um, Some of those changes might be related to just normal adolescent development, uh, but some of them may be uh, um, uh, an indication that something different is going on. So when you see these these changes, a parent needs to pay attention to them and to look deeper into what might be causing these changes in your child. Don't just ignore them. Um, find out what is going on with those changes. What is, what is causing those changes? Um, and my book uh, has more examples of, of what kinds of uh, changes uh, a parent should be looking out for. And then if a parent sees those changes, uh, the book uh, leads them to um, what they should be doing about it. Okay, so what assessments are important then? 
There's a number of assessments that are important. Um, obviously, an addictions assessment is very important. You want to know uh, what substances your child has been using. You want to know um, uh, how much of that substance they've been using and for how long they've been using. Um, so an addictions assessment is going to get you an awful lot of information about your child's substance use. Um, it's also going to give you a diagnosis as to whether or not there is a what we call a substance use disorder order, and if, if it's there, whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. Um, and then there's some other assessments that need to be done, and my book summarizes what those assessments are. Um, but the point is that you want to get more than just an addictions assessment. Uh, another example would be uh, a, a psychological examination. You want to know if there is something going on psychologically with your child. Because many times when you look beneath the surface of, of the drug or the alcohol use, you may find, you may very well find that your child is using that substance to medicate an underlying issue. Um, it may be anxiety, it may be depression, uh, but there, there may very well be an underlying issue uh, that needs to be treated as well. So I give some examples in the book of the different kinds of tests and different kinds of assessments that are needed. And I go into uh, more detail about how often we find uh, through those tests an underlying psychological, exist, uh, psychological issue that also needs to be treated. So where would one go to have these assessments performed? Their local physician? I think if you have a family physician, um, you should consult with the family physician. They many times can give you referrals to other professionals that can help with these assessments because what we're looking for um, is, is a range of assessments, not just one single assessment. We're looking for multiple assessments to look at different aspects of your child. So your family physician may be in a good position to make referrals to you. And the book will, the book will tell you exactly what, what assessments and tests need to be done. So you can go to your family physician and you can say, I, I would like a referral for this assessment or I, I would like a referral for that that assessment. And chances are they're going to be able to give you the name of somebody uh, who, can, who can do that particular assessment for you. Another good source might be the school counselor. You could go to the school counselor and, and tell them you need X, Y, and Z assessments. And chances are they can, they can give referrals to you as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. That is so good to know. So what can we do as parents, especially parents of preteens? What can we do to help reduce the risk that our children will use drug or alcohol? That's an excellent question I, because I, I've been asked that by, uh, by parents before. My answer to them is begin at a very early age to develop that solid, open, trusting relationship with your child. Um, Develop that open communication with your child so that you can begin to develop that solid foundation so that they are able to come to you and talk about these issues that might be bothering them. 
It might not be maybe the alcohol or the drug use, but it might be uh, they're feeling depressed or they're feeling anxious or they're having a bad memory. You want to be able to have that kind of relationship with your child so that they can talk to you in an open and honest way. And that takes time. Um, it takes it takes a skill. You know, we're very good at listening to the words people say to us. Sometimes we're not so good at listening to the underlying feeling behind those words. So we all as parents can practice and learn the skill of how to listen to other people, whether it's a, a child or an adult. But if, if you have a preteen, um, I would say begin working on developing those communication skills with your child. And I developed a parent workbook that accompanies the main book. Um, and I wrote that book to help parents because many times parents are struggling with their own emotions when they discover their child is using alcohol or drugs. They may be feeling guilty. They may be wondering, how did I miss the warning signs? What did I do wrong? Um, so my book, uh, the, the workbook, um, uh, tries to help parents work through those thoughts and feelings. And there's a couple of exercises um, on how to handle and how to work with anxiety. And there is some information on how to go about working on developing good listening skills. Because if you can develop those good listening skills where you're just not listening to your child's words, you're able to listen to the feeling behind your child's words, then you will be able to build that solid foundation that as they get to be older and they get to be teenagers, you may benefit you and them as well and and and, and perhaps keep them away from venturing off into some type of substance use. That's so good to know. I think as parents, we need to engage with our children on a regular basis and we need to put down the distractions. I've made it a point personally to put my cell phone away if one of my children is talking to me because you're right, they do need to be heard, but not just their words, the underlying emotion of what it is they are trying to tell you. That's very true. And and many times when we ask adolescents, what is it that keeps you from talking to your parents about things that are bothering you or or maybe even the fact that you're using a substance. The number one answer that we usually get back is that they have a fear of being judged. They have a fear of being judged by their parents. So if you can develop that solid foundation of communication and trust and, 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 that can be developed at any age. Um, you know, certainly a preteen, you can start to develop that. But even if your child is a teenager, you can still begin to develop that foundation and work on those skills today. It's never too late to uh, work on learning and practicing good communication skills that will help you uh, develop that relationship with your child. Okay, now... Living in the midst of a pandemic, how has that impacted adolescent substance abuse? Well, we're seeing we're seeing mental health issues arise uh, because of the pandemic for both adults and adolescents. Um, it is definitely having an impact on children. They have been removed from their friends in many cases. They've been removed from their social activities, from their sports. Um, they are um, uh, maybe feeling isolated. 
Um, they may be feeling depressed. So it is having an impact on adults and, and, and children because families are under a lot of stress too because many of their children are uh, confined to, to homeschooling. So that creates uh, a lot of pressure for parents who are trying to juggle homeschooling and working and many other activities. But the children themselves um, have, have been pulled away from their social support system, their environment, and their friends. Um, one example is if we look at what is like video gaming, a video gaming addiction, so to speak. 70% of kids under the age of 18 um, are on consoles of some type, playing games or, or doing some other activity. In, in 2020, when the pandemic started, half of the children and teenagers were spending more than six hours a day online. And that's a 500% increase over 2019. So half of them are spending over six hours a day on some type of online activity. And there is a correlation between online gaming and things like depression and anxiety as kids begin to use the online gaming as a as an escape valve uh, or to or to or to numb their feelings um, or to uh, get away from feeling depressed so this pandemic and the isolation that occurs with it and the detachment from their regular routine and from their social activities is having an effect on kids it 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 is increasing things like video gaming but it's also having a, an impact overall on the mental health of kids the CDC, the Center for uh, Disease, and, uh, has, has seen an increase in children and teens who are needing mental health care. Um, and, and they found that since the beginning of the pandemic, there's been a 24% increase in emergency department visits by grade school children and a 31% increase among teenagers urgently needing some type of mental health care. So there is no question that this pandemic and everything that goes along with it is having an effect on families and it's having a, an effect on teenagers. Oh, this is so good for all of us parents to hear. We just really need to hone in on what's happening underneath our roofs and do what we can to protect our children because this is a very real disease and problem that we are facing. I appreciate you so much coming onto the show and talking to us about this book you wrote. Tell us how we can find this book. Well, the book is uh, and the workbook are both available on Amazon. So you can just go to Amazon. You can type in on the search bar, um, uh, the addicted child, Richard Capriola, or uh, you can go to the book's website um, and the website uh, will give you information on the book. You can read endorsements. You can read book reviews. There are some blog articles and there is a link to Amazon where you can order either the book or the uh, parent workbook. Um, the, the book is available in an electronic form for uh, a few dollars. Um, or you, if you prefer the paperback, you can get that, I think, for less than $10. Um, so you can order both from the website. The website address is www.helptheaddictedchild.com. Amazing. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking to us about addiction and our children and how to prevent this. You're very welcome. Thank you for uh, for uh, hosting me and for uh, participating in the discussion. Hopefully, uh, uh, many parents will benefit from what we've talked about. Um, I hope they will buy the book. Uh, you would be surprised at the number of parents who sat across from me when I told them about their uh, child substance abuse. They would look at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they had some idea it was going on, they would say things like, well, I knew this was going on, but I had no idea it was this bad. So please, if you're a parent, if you're a family member, uh, invest a few dollars to, uh, uh, to, to gain the information and the knowledge from this book. Thank you for listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Don't forget to check out my website at barbiejoe.com. And if you liked this episode, you've got to subscribe. I'd love to have you join me. Bye for now. 